22 years old when I came to prison. I was 30 years old when I went to prison. I was at the age of 19. I had just turned 19. Hi, I'm Chris, and I help life-sentenced men transition from institutionalized prison life back into society. Every one of our men has already served 25 to 45 years in prison. I serve on the board of the Corrections Transition Program at Everglades Correctional Institution in Miami, Florida. I teach these men life skills and how to speak, listen, and think. So when they get paroled, they become assets of their communities rather than liabilities of the state. Welcome to Men Going Home. I'm Chris Wolf, and we've got another great show for you today because we are the only show that brings you access to a segment of society very few people know anything about. Men who have spent more than 30, 35, and even 40 years in prison. We'll talk to them about their crimes, their life in prison, and what their transition back into the free world was like after all those years. Now, before we welcome today's special guest, please welcome my good friend and co-host of this show, Andy Korge. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. Remember, you can get catch the podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, and like and friend us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Andy, last week's guest, Troy Morton, fascinating man, young man still. He was 19 years old, got a life sentence for first-degree murder, grew up in the Overtown neighborhood of Miami. What was your take on Troy Martin? Well, a, a few things, Chris. Uh, you know, the first thing is something that has happened in, in impoverished areas, urban areas throughout America, and that is kids at a young age, teenagers, and in Troy's case, he was 14 years old, mm -hmm. that drop out of school because they see the allure of what is happening on the streets in their community, selling drugs, making lots of money at a young age. There's an allure to that, and that was the, the thing that really got Troy sort of into a criminal life to start with. And right. it was an epidemic, especially during those years when Troy was, was at that age. So that, that was one thing that really hit me hard. The sadness of all of that, you know, dropping out of school because he knew he could make a lot of money selling drugs on the street of Overtown. And another example of a juvenile offender who didn't really understand the consequences of his actions. Here he was growing up on the streets of, of Overtown selling drugs. These guys from Opelaka are trying to kill him. And he takes matters into his own hands and, 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 and kills the man who was trying to kill him. And when the judge pronounced his sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole for 25 years, he was dumbfounded. He thought this was self-defense and he didn't understand the consequences of his actions. And, and that's another issue that juveniles are still tried and sentenced as adults. And there's no very little consideration even to this day on crimes committed by juveniles. Yeah, and, and there's a, there was a re, re, kind of a theme that keeps coming up in these programs, which was, you know, he knew these guys were after him. Correct. And, and you know, he had three choices. Either kill one, the, per, the people coming after him, be killed by them, or going to the authorities and letting know that these guys were after him, you know, trying to kill him. And that was not an option for him. No. That, you know, never. and the whole concept of snitching, although all, a lot of these guys, almost, almost universally every show we've had, someone snitched on them and that's how they got caught. 
And he also said that the situation there has not changed, and people in Liberty City and Overtown still take matters into their own hands and do not go to the police. Yeah, and it was sad to me, Chris, because, you know, he struck me as a, just a really bright guy. And I, when I looked at him and talked to him before the show and after the show, I saw somebody who, if he had stayed in school, if he had the allure of that money on the streets of Overtown, selling drugs had not, you know, got him to drop out of school— I mean, he, heck, he became a, a, a law clerk during his time Th- throughout in jail. His jail time. Yeah, throughout his jail time. So he was a smart guy. He's a, he's a smart guy and could learn a lot and probably would have thrived in society had he not taken that route. It was sad to me. Well said. Well said. Let's introduce today's guest and uh, hear about his story. Today's guest, Jerry Arline, was sentenced to life in prison after being convicted of first-degree murder at the age of 19. He was paroled after 11 years, then spent another 29 years in prison for robbing a bank in 1993. He has survived over 40 years in prison in some of the country's most violent prisons, was finally paroled in 2012, and he is here today to tell his story. Please welcome my friend and guest, Jerry Arline. Welcome, Jerry. Hey, welcome. It's nice to see you guys, man. It's, I'm blessed. All I can tell, all I can say is... I'm blessed, and I enjoy myself. Well, I know you had a little trouble finding this place. You ended (laughs) up way west, but we (laughs) got you here, and we're glad you made it. Oh, man. Jerry, you were born in Liberty City in 1945, which is hard to believe because you don't look a day over 50 years old. (laughs) But but you were born in Liberty City in 1945. What was Liberty City like in the 40s and 50s when you were young? I know your father moved to Opelika, but Uh what is your earliest re- uh, memories of, of Liberty City? Liberty City to me was, even though I was younger, it's, it was bad. When I say bad, bad. You know, people killing each other, running around, stealing and telling on each other. It's just that I didn't like Liberty City until my daddy and him, he just grabbed all us up, my siblings, and we moved to Opelika. Well, yeah, hold on one second, because you said that at a certain point, how old were you, four or five, your father said, Liberty City is just too rough, yes. i got to move the family out of here. Was there right. something that happened, or was it just the everyday violence of Liberty City? Too much crime. We, we couldn't take it. My mom and them, my sister and them, they want everybody together to stay together, and we just deal what we can do. You and, you, and you had a big family. Your mother was right. a, a domestic worker. She cleaned right. homes. Yes. Your father was an auto mechanic. Right. You had total 10 additional brothers and sisters. Right. Six brothers and four sisters. Right. Money was tight. What was that like after your, your parents moved to Opelika? What was your life like in Opelika with such a big family? Well, in Opelika, it was, it was better than Liberty City because my father and my mom was the two who worked and the rest of us we just did what we can do you know we go here we go there eat with other families and stuff like that and what was the age difference of the children in your family you were you were born in 45 so the 11 children spanned what ages i was oh my goodness i'm gonna tell you it was older than me so i happened to be one of the youngest ones you know which was one two three three four us was the youngest. The rest right. of them was all grown up than us, you know, and they did what they can do. 
and you were born yeah. Gerald Arline, and your well, twin sister was born Geraldine Arline, correct? Yeah, yes. Is she still alive? No, she passed in 96. They've all passed except for one, correct? All except for one. Just me and my sister left, so. And what was interesting was that money was tight. You, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that to me the other day, and you, were, you felt very poor growing up. Right. And each child was not only expected, but told at age 18, you have to move out of the house. Right. Talk about that. Um, I was in high school when my dad told me I had to leave because he had too many miles to feed. And doing that, I felt so bad for myself. I went out stealing, you know. How old were you when you started stealing? 17. 17. Hold on a second. I think there was a few incidences even before that. Mm -hmm. But you attended Rainbow Park Elementary School. Right. Were you a good student? I was all right. Went to the special class until, you know. Did you like school? Yeah, I love school. And then you went on to early high school. You were a star athlete. Talk about that. What, what, what did you excel in? Track, football, and I love basketball. It's just that I had fun when I was. What was the last year of school you completed? I didn't complete school. I got a GED. Why? But you, you didn't graduate from high school, but did you were, were you in 8th grade or ninth grade? No, I went to the 12th and didn't pass, so they said you have to... So you never graduated from high school? Not from high school. All right. And now, when I asked you if you had graduated from high school, you said, no, I was trying to be a big boy, and you right. started to get into crime. But you actually got into crime at about age 15 or 16, correct? Right. How did that all happen? Just stealing and, you know, fighting and just doing everything. It's different here today, you know. The kids are not like they used to be. They are even crazier, so. When you say crazier today, how are they crazier today than they were when you were growing up? See, we we respected the elderly. We didn't snatch pocketbooks or do this and do that crazy stuff, but, you know, somebody you knew, because you never knew when you might have your sister doing not doing it. She's not stealing anything. My sisters, but my older brothers and sisters always brought us something to eat. Right. You know, and so on. We, we talked about being poor and the effect of being poor on your mm-hmm. life. I think mm-hmm. at a certain point, you had said to me that you wanted to be somebody mm-hmm. and you were jealous of, of people who dressed nicely. Right. And you wanted to start wearing nice clothes. And you would actually, at 15, 16, break into stores and steal clothing, correct? Right. Was that for your own consumption, or were you selling the stolen merchandise? No, it was for me and my sister. I always thought about me and my sisters. Geraldine? And Geraldine and Jeanette. So, okay. And those two, the, we was blessed because my sister and them told me, always be careful when you go out there. So they know what was happening, you know, so... Even with groceries, you're breaking a grocery store and nobody would know. You'll come back with a cart full of stuff and I give it to my sister. That's after I had been kicked out of the house. So, Well, you would steal from stores. and mm-hmm. There was a distinction between stealing from a store and somebody, as you mentioned, who would snatch the purse. Because somebody, you once yeah. witnessed somebody snatch a purse from a yeah. woman. Right. You ran that person down. And right. you made them go back to the to the victim and return the purse. Talk about right. that. What was the difference between snatching a purse and breaking into a store? Well, when you snatch a purse, you know, you never know when that's your mom, your sister, or somebody you know, or some old lady. It's just that 
I don't believe in stealing or snatching up from a older person because you never know when your mom might get a purse snatch or something like this. And oh man, so that you, hurt you me. Had, you had compassion, and you right. didn't think that people should should steal from individuals like that. Yes, that's that's how. That's so how stealing from a store is more impersonal. It's yeah. you're stealing from an entity, not an individual. Right. Yes, it is. I remember Grover used to say that. I remember yeah, Grover cool. would rob, and he would say, "I don't, I don't want your money. Right. I just want the money in the safe." That's yeah. right. So, that's right. all right. So you actually. You were you mentioned stealing groceries. Uh -huh. You had a sister, and your sister had six children. Uh -huh. So you would go into grocery stores and steal groceries for her. Uh -huh. You weren't selling them; you were giving them to your family. Right. How do you steal groceries from a from a grocery store? You just steal. I even worked in a store, but you know they never knew I was stealing. It's just that I had bags of stuff, and then we all always take the bags out of the trash. You know, in that trash bag would be groceries. You know. What we had, so when I say what we had, it's what we ate. And my dad always went, where are you getting this stuff from? So I just told him. Everybody just told me to be careful. Did you tell him you stole the stuff? Yeah. And was he okay with that? He was okay. He did what he had to do. He had to work. So right. I never did get a beating for it or anything, so they always told me to be careful, even my sisters. You know. Now, you had a turning point at age 19, a serious crime, uh -huh. but you dropped out of school. So between you dropping out of school and a serious crime at 19, what were you doing with your life at that time? Were you working? You were just stealing? What were you doing? No, I was working. Uh, Where? Able Builders. Okay. Able Builders. Uh, I can't, I can't re recall his name now, but he gave me a job. And doing that job, I was driving a truck. I drive trucks and stuff. Hey, got my license and everything, and, and go here, go there, and deliver this and deliver that. When I say uh, deliver stuff, it was uh, we call it uh, a delivery service. No, not that one. Okay. It was uh, construction equipment. Okay. That's what I delivered. So now, now, at age 19, turning point in your life, I want you to tell us the story. Because you had a friend of yours, and I don't know how much of a friend he really was. His name was Cy Porter. No. And not. you guys robbed a gas station. Now, talk about how you went from, as you called it, the African-American part of town yeah. across the railroad tracks into, into the white part of town, and you robbed a gas station. Right. Whose idea was that? It was his. You know, I don't know nothing about robbing like this, but I know about stealing, like going in a store. But what he was doing, he said, let's go rob this gas station and when we robbed that gas station you know everything went down he he was with, he was with the police and well, wait, wait a minute so you 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 crossed over the railroad tracks yeah. into the the white neighborhood right and you went into a gas station the two of you went in together and then what he pulled out he pulled out a gun did you know he had a gun no i didn't so he went up and said give me your money mm -hmm. and then what happened yeah he just um, he gave him the money, no, which I got the money, but he said, just do what you do. And by me running back, cross the track to get away, he came back, I hear something say, boom, boom, boom. And you know, I said, oh my goodness. And after that, we split up. We split the money up and- You know how much money it was? Oh, about 3000 About $3,000? Yeah. So he went in. You didn't know there was a gun. No. He said, give me the money. The man gave him, him the money. And then on the way out, mm -hmm. you were out the door. And then he just turned and, and shot. And that's what made unnecessarily. me. Unnecessarily. 
that what made me even scarier, you know, and I got mad at him because I don't know what was going on, but after we split the money, the police came and found out what was happening. From but, but hold on, hold on one second, because w were you were you visibly and audibly upset with him after the robbery? Like, why did you shoot this guy? You, yeah. you didn't have to shoot him. Yes. And what did he say? He just, you know how your guys curse and stuff like yeah. this. Oh, well, you got what you can get. So I said, well, this. And in fact, he even took more than I did. So. Right. Okay. Now you were saying a week and a half later, the police show up at an apartment you're living at. Uh huh. Now this, you weren't living with your parents at this point because you're 19 years old. Yes, I was living with my parents. Oh, okay. I thought they made you move out after 18. Yeah, but I would always come back and see my mom. You know. That's okay. So, so they went back to your parents' house. Uh huh. And you were there. Right. What happened? Well, when they came in, they had a, a shotgun. About <laughs> long as <laughs> long as. That's my first time seeing a shotgun. Right. So I said, oh, my God. So they say, don't run. We're going to shoot you. So I said, okay. So I came down the steps. And next thing you know, they handcuffed me and stuff like this. And my sisters and them was crying. My mom and them was home at the time. And I went to jail. They took me to jail. So they, they just arrested you? Did, they, did, they, did you know at the time why you were being arrested? N yes. They told you you're being Some, arrested for the... Uh, armed robbery of... Um, a gas station, and come to find out it was a side porter. And side porter, he just turned everything on me, you know, like. But, but here's a question that I have, and Andy, maybe you're thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. Why would side porter turn you in unnecessarily if they weren't looking at him? Like, why did he just decide to, you know, Call the police and tell them that you you did this robbery yeah. and killed this this gentleman. Well, Sat Porter at the time, during that time, he was working with the police, and I didn't know that. But the police said, "You don't want to go to jail. Tell me what's happening." So he told him that Jerry Arline, you know, shot the guy and blah blah blah, and I I couldn't understand it myself. So this this officer. Martin, so I can't, that's all I can remember. Officer Martin from Opalaka. You said right. he didn't like you. No, because I was famous in school, you know, running, you, running track. You an athlete? Yeah, and he, and he didn't like that. I mean, a lot of guys on the street, they did. We all stayed together. and But me, he just didn't. He tried to run me over with his car and stuff like that, but he got hung with the, you know, he tried to run me. He got hung the clothesline, and that was really true. So he just had had it in for you. Yeah. So, all right, so let's just, to be clear, so the, the police come to you, they arrest you for the armed, armed robbery and murder of this gas station attendant. Right. Now, Cy so, Porter's the one who turns you in. Mm -hmm. Now, he is friends with this Officer Martin from Opalaka, correct? Right. So, did you... Did you try to explain to to the police what happened? You admitted you were there. I was admitted I was there, but it, it's just that the police, he didn't care, you know. Officer it, Martin didn't care. Yeah, he just wanted to see me go away, you know, get put away. I said, okay. So did you get a uh, did you get an attorney, a public defender? <laughs> yeah, a public pretender. Yeah, they gave me one, but he looked like he worked it more with them than he did me so so he up. was he was trying to just get you to plea it out i mean yeah, he, exactly he wasn't really right. listening to right what'd you call him you called him a he wasn't a public defender he was a public pretender that's what he was so and right so now 
so correct. Where was Cy Porter and all this? Was he just free out on his own, and was, nobody even wanted to know any information from him? He had sisters. That's the only, I think he was the only boy out of the out of the family, and he had an older sister, and we even had a fight with the older girl and stuff like that okay. before the before the robbery and stuff like that. And, so Cy Porter tells Officer Martin that you were the shooter, right. you were the robber. Cy Porter's out of it. He's not even involved in this crime, correct? No, right. And they're charging you with first-degree murder, and your attorney is now, your public defender, he's basically believing their yeah. story against yours, and he's telling you that you should plead guilty? Yes. He said if I didn't want to go to the uh, gas chamber, that's what they put it. And I was really scared because I'd never been locked up like that before. You had yeah. never been arrested? No. What did I tell you the other day? Andy, I told him, I said, I don't think he had a chance. He was 19 years old, 1965 in Miami. You have the, the shooter and a corrupt police officer both in collusion pointing the finger at... Now, granted, you were there and somebody yeah. was killed. Mm -hmm. Serious crime, but I don't think you had a chance. And a bad no. attorney on top and of that. And a bad that. attorney on top yes, of that. Yes, goodness. But he wound up, uh, I don't know if he was getting killed. He got killed or died. Well, you, you mentioned that a year and a half later he died. Now, you yeah. weren't sure how he died. Yeah. Was he killed in a robbery? I, I think so, but I think my sister told me when she used to come visit me when I was in prison, she told me that, Martin, you ain't got to worry about Martin no more. And after that, uh, Sky Porter, Sky Porter, he wound up with the same thing. He got okay. killed. Okay. So both the officer and him get killed. See, I had a lot of people that married me. You know, I was a track runner. I played football. I loved baseball. So, and everybody was crying and stuff. And, and they were upset that you yeah. were in involved in this very yeah. serious crime. I had uh, the coach from Florida and m They tried to get me out of out of uh, jail to come back and run track for them and stuff like that. But they wouldn't accept No, it was too serious a crime. Right. So 1965, you're at the Miami County Jail. Right. How long were you How long were you in jail awaiting your trial? About a year and a half. And talk yeah. about talk about the violence in Miami-Dade County Jail in 1965. Oh, it must have been another world. Yes, it was. You, get, you had to be careful, you know, especially for the younger guys. And Why, I, because of, of, you, you had said that young men were raped openly? Openly, and... That I didn't. That I didn't agree with that. So, you, you did that. You, the police, the guards, will walk around and stuff like that. Guys will take your lunch or breakfast or anything if you don't get up and eat. That's, you done lost that. So, so you said at the time there were four, six, twelve guys in a cell, right? And the young guys were openly targeted and and raped in the open, and right. the guards would just walk by and see nothing and see nothing and right. they would say see you know that's what you get for being here you shouldn't have got right. yourself in jail exactly how do you prepare yourself for going into jail i mean you said you had to be prepared for it what what was there anything in particular mentally you did to prepare it's, yourself you hear so much about jail you know when you do go into jail if you with a bunch of guys and they know you if you're all together if you stay on one side they stay on the other side but you know you can't mingle with anybody. See, like the young guys, we protected them. They protected me. So guys was older than me. They knew that I was an athlete, and you know, 
Was it, there a lot again. of racial division in in prison? The black no, guys not that. No, no, they didn't. Well, we're in jail at this point, right? Right. Yeah. No, we didn't. There was do no that. racial division. No. Everybody seemed to just get along amongst themselves. Got it, yeah. Steal and stuff like that. But you always kind of looked out for the young guys because yeah. they were they were sort of targeted, correct? Right. And and I I've I've seen so much that you know I really hated it. You know you know these guys and guys you know their parents don't know, send them no money no no nothing so you got to look out for him. Mm-hmm. See, even though I got money, I you know we looked out. So let's talk about your trial. You've, a year and a half passes by. You mm-hmm. go to trial. Your attorney is telling you. That you really need to accept a guilty plea, otherwise right. they're going to press for the uh, the electric chair. That's exactly, and that scared me to death. I mean, it scared me so bad, you know. And even my sister was telling me, when you get a life sentence at that time, you only do five years or seven years on a life sentence, but you got to behave. You can't. Right. You can't go to jail or prison. Yeah, because back then, Andy, and we'll talk yeah. about the difference of life sentences. Right. Back then, prior to 1995, a life sentence meant you were sentenced to life until you were paroled. Right. After 1995, it became a life sentence was 25 years mandatory. Yeah, that's mandatory. And then you could be considered for parole, and even the guys in our program, mm-hmm. on average, get out after about 32 years, and some guys after 40 years. Um, so... In essence, I think your your attorney was probably right at that time. He said, "Just take the life sentence, and you'll right. probably get out." And I was scared, scared of going to the gas chamber, or whatever they put you in. So they put a bag over your head, and I've seen this, you know, not while I was in prison, but you heard so much and stuff like this. You know, while be watching TV, they show all crazy stuff. So I said, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, nice. but but the reality of it is, you didn't really. You didn't commit the crime. No, I didn't. So, so you didn't have a, a the thought in your in your mind that hey, I want to fight this. It's, it's not that. It's my parents' name was really poor, so I had to take that and do what I can do. Well, but so, then, but then again, Andy, we go back and and all, all due respect to Gerald, he he, he was guilty of the crime because mm-hmm. we talk about you know. A lot of the guys say they hung around the wrong group of people growing up. Right. Uh, he hung around this guy, Cy, which was a mistake, and I'm he made a bad you. choice and a bad decision to participate in the murder. Now, because he was involved in the armed robbery and somebody was murdered, Gerald gets sentenced to right. He gets He gets charged with the murder, actually, appropriately. The inappropriateness was that they let this guy, Cy, off completely, off completely yeah. and never charged him. So you go ahead and you plead guilty. Yeah, I had to. You were 19 years old. And scared. And scared. <laughs> and scared, you know. I always thought about my family, especially my mom and my dad. Were your parents at the trial? Yep. And they cried and everything. And when they hold, up, when they heard the sentence and stuff like that, they'll be going to send him to prison for a life sentence. And they say he have to do seven years at the time. And... By me not having to stay in any of these trouble, you don't do no violence, no beating up nobody or stuff like that. You just do what you can do, and that was me. How did that make you feel? I mean, your parents are in in the, you know, in the courtroom sobbing. I mean, did it give give you a feeling of guilt or mm-hmm. disappointment? I mean, yeah. When I was in jail, I I realized what they was doing, so I said, okay. Even while, when I was in prison, both my parents passed. Oh. And by me being in jail, 
prison, they say, if you got somebody to take you up, take you home, you know, to your funeral, you can go. I didn't have no police, no none of that. Nobody's sending me with them or stuff like that. Right. No support system. No, I didn't. And during during the uh, prison, when when I went to when I went to to the funeral, they say, "Do I have anybody? Do they have anybody to pick me up to go to the funeral?" Yes, I went to the funeral by myself, me and my sister. My sister, the one Janet, the ones living now. They actually let you out of prison to go to the funeral. <laughs> they let me out of prison for doing everything. Because they don't really do that anymore, right. do they? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Yes. They still do? Yeah. Because a lot of the men in our program have talked about their parents dying. I didn't know any of them uh, were ever yeah. let out. So your first prison, they ship you off to probably the worst prison of uh, all in yeah. Florida, one of the worst in the country, no, Florida no, no, State no. Prison, 1965. Mm. You were now 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, how violent was Florida State Prison when you were there? It was violent, but, you know, the guys from Miami, they stayed together. We hung together. Guys from Jacksonville, they hung together. The guys from Jacksonville, I'm sorry, the guys from Jacksonville and, what is that? Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville and Tampa, I think. They hung together. The guys from Miami, both lot of them, they hung together. Mm-hmm. So we played football together, basketball together. Miami, all the guys played. And we was the best, so. You were 20 years old. You weren't married yet, were you, or were you married? No, I wasn't married. When you went to prison for the first time, you, you were not married. No. Now, you, you did mention that for some reason, you never really got caught up in the violence. You never had a lot of fighting. No. You seemed to get along pretty well. I mean, I would guess you were a pretty laid-back guy yeah. then. You are now. Yeah. And you seemed to get along with everybody. So how, yeah. did you, how did you survive? You spent 11 and a half, not seven. You spent 11 and a half years yeah. at Florida State. Well, in, in prison. In prison. Between Florida State and Belle Glade. But how yeah. did you survive without really much trouble other than a scar on your forehead? <laughs> and how did you get that scar? Uh, I got that in prison. There's a guy, he tried to, uh, you know, I'm not into guys and stuff like that. And one guy, you know. He tried me and you mean sexually, and he was coming yeah, on to you. And I, I don't, I'm not into that, so I don't do men. Right. I, I've never raped anybody. Right. None of this, and and I don't like it. I don't like it now. So what happened? So he he was mad that you yeah that you shunned his his advances to you, and then yeah. he he got in a fist fight with you or hit you with a brick, didn't he? Yeah, at, at the uh, brick plant. You know what he make big doing the prison mm-hmm. stuff like that when he was talking out loud and this and that and that and this and I just snapped and hit him first and next thing I know he picked up a rock and hit me and so well, and that's when they shipped me, shipped me uh, they well, kept they, me in confinement but they uh, they shipped you to Bell Glade shipped me to Bell Glade and what, how was, was Bell Glade different from Florida State Prison yes how so it's, it's, it was um, you got custodies community uh, minimum close custody and gotcha. super close. Them two, you can't get out. You can't. And they look at your record and see how right. you. Oh, this guy, he he's all right. See, during my time, I worked for the superintendent, mm-hmm. uh, the lieutenants and stuff. They used to bring us stuff, pizza and stuff like right. this, and. I, Jerry, I don't care what you did with it. Get rid of it. 
don't take it in. That worked outside the gate. But that, but that was, I think there you're talking about the drug dealing that goes on in prison, correct? Yeah. You, you worked no. at the canteen, and they would bring you things that contained drugs, and then you were to take some, it places? Some officers, then they try you. The officers try you. When I, when I meant try you, by you taking stuff in the... So the officers were dealing drugs. Yeah. And they were making money. And they were using the prisoners to distribute drugs through the prison. Even the women. And that that's happened just before they closed the prison, before this disease went on. Mm, yeah, before it, COVID. Yeah, uh, down where we go and talk to the guys. At Everglades Correctional Institution. Right. And that was that was pretty common. I mean, at, at, at Glades, was it common in all the prisons you saw in terms of guards bringing in contraband yeah, like that? Right. See, they throw phones over the gate and what else? Bring your food. Cell phones? Yeah, cell phones. Cell phones, yeah. That's the main thing, if you can get a cell phone. I did some stuff myself after I got out of prison and going down the Everglades. You got a guy, a couple of guys, they don't get anything. And Well, you talk, who are these guys? Are you prisoners or guards? They are prisoners. Okay. I gave money, $30, up to $30. Yeah, this yours, this yours, this yours. But them guys wasn't getting anything. I didn't give you that. $30 for you, $30 for you, $30 for you. I didn't give you anything. Oh, gotcha. Because you're not supposed. See, you're not allowed to do that there. You're right. not allowed to give people cash or anything. Like right. That. So you get paroled in on February 21st of 1978. You're actually paroled. You do 11 and a half years mm -hmm. at Florida State and Bell Glade for a first degree murder, which I mean today, which is pretty amazing because today you would have done at least probably 30 years. Right. So what did you do? You got paroled. You're in your mid 30s. Yes. What was your life like? You get out of prison. I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I really was scared when I got out of prison and when I... Uh, what were you scared of? Going back or something like that. Because you were on parole. You get out, right. you're on parole. All right, mm -hmm. all right, so you're on parole. So what did you do? You get a job? Yeah. What did you do? I uh, did uh, construction uh, equipment. Uh, you know, like, what they call them? Uh, you put a... Right, all right. Post yours. Okay. And, you, and you, you get married? I got married... Yeah. You got married? Yeah. You have any children? Two. You have one biological, one step? Yeah. So you, you married a woman who had a child from a previous marriage or who, a previous relationship? The one now. Okay. Yeah, yeah and me, we, we are right. She's retired. So, so you got married? When, when, you remember how when you married her? Shortly yeah. after prison? Yeah, me, a dad, my stepson... It wasn't my, yeah, my stepson, they was all there, so. All right. Even though parents are gone, so they passed. So you're out of prison, you're paroled on a first degree murder charge, you're out of prison for 15 years, mm -hmm. and you had mentioned to me, this is interesting, and I want you to talk about the psychological aspect of this. Okay. You're working at Miami International Airport. Yeah. Right, you're working at the airport, you're doing kind of maintenance, you're, you're cleaning up the runways, you're. Yeah. You're 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 doing lawn work and and, right. and landscaping work, and you had told me that your wife at the time would you use the word she, she was nagging you about you're yeah. not making enough money, right? And she was a PE instructor in public schools, correct? Right. right. And she was saying that you weren't making money, and and you referenced the term it was it was kind of an ongoing nagging, and you said I I just can't take that. Right. Talk about that. I can't do it now. <laughs> 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 no, she, Nothing's uh, changed. No, no, but we we. 
you know, I, I try and do everything she says. I mean, she's nice and everything, respectable, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't fuss each other out, you know. Well, we might snap at each other every now and then, right. you know. Baby, can but, you go get me this? Can you go get me that? I say, come on, baby, give me a break, you know. So right, right, right. Other right. than just that, normal stuff. Yeah, I don't. We don't. We don't curse each other. You know. Right. That's disrespectful. I, I don't. I don't do that. To no women. Right. Not even my sisters or nobody. Nobody. But back when you're in 1993, you're 38 years old, mm-hmm. and you would. I think I got the impression that the nagging was too much, and you realized you got to find a way to make some money. Right. So you leave work. From the airport. In the middle, from the airport. Mm-hmm. And you rob a bank. Right. Talk about that. Well, when I robbed this bank, I gave them a note. No guns, no nothing. Didn't have a gun on you? No. At the time, you know, we mostly cashed our checks there at the, at the uh, bank. and. Right t- t- tell me this. Where was the bank? On Lejeune Road in on Miami? On Lejeune, yeah, right across from... Right near the airport. Right. So, so you did you have a plan? Did you did you have a plan? How are you going to do this? You no. didn't. You didn't wear a mask. Did, did no, you? No, it was a spur of the moment. And you I just guess. decided that day to rob the bank. Right. And when I went and robbed the bank, after I gave the lady the, she gave me what she had. I think it was about fifteen thousand or fifteen hundred or. Was it just you, or did you have partners? Just me, no. Just no, you. You decided, I'm going to rob this bank. You don't right. put on a mask. You drive into a bank mm-hmm. that you've been to before. Yes. I'm and sorry for interrupting. You hand her a note, and you say, give me the money. Right. And when she gave me the money, you know, I got what I can get. I mean, she put it in a little, little bag, put it in a bag. Okay, I don't know how the police got there that quick, but on the way back to the airport, the police was right behind me, but the light was there, so... While they waiting for the light, the police, I can see him getting out of the car, but I took some money out of the bag and just threw it up in the air, and you see everybody, you know, like. Wait a minute, let's back up here, because there's a lot of moving parts here. <laughs> I see that. Okay, so you you give her a note. She gives you $15,000. Mm-hmm. You just walk out of the bank. Nobody right. stops you. You nobody get in your car. And leave. And leave. Was that, did anybody follow you out? No. Okay, so you, so you get in your car, and... Before you know it, you're at an intersection, and you can see the police car with the lights going right. around. And Go ahead. And when I took some money out of the bag and threw it up in the streets and everything, you know, everybody just stopped and was getting out, just grabbing money and stuff like that. And the police was trying to, I don't know how they got me, but they didn't pick me up right then. Excuse me. I took the money home. So you, you created a traffic money. jam right? You cre- with a feeding frenzy of cash. Mm-hmm. And then you take off, and you, you're able to get away, and you go back to your house. Right. Go ahead. And when I get back to my house, uh, that's, I was married then. So I took the money and hid it up under the road, what was left. And so uh, when the police came and got me, you know, I still didn't tell them where the money was. But that money went, it was lost. Because me and my wife, you know, we were staying in an apartment. We stayed downstairs saying, hey, so wait. So now you hide the money. What room was it? The living room? Your bedroom? No, it was our ba- it was our bedroom. Your bedroom. Wife. So you hide the money, and you don't. Yeah. At this point, your wife doesn't even know you just robbed she the bank. Don't, she don't, no. So you drive back to work. Drive back to work. What happens? Come back. The police came. They say, uh, 
uh, do you have a Gerald Arline work here? And they say, yes. And they say, oh, he's over there. We was in the room all eating, you know, lunch and stuff. So when they came up, they told me to come outside, you know, not with their guns drawn and nothing like that. So they came out and told me, say, you're on the rest for a bank robbery. And how did they was. How did they know it was you? Well, I ran after that. I got the money to my car. I didn't mm -hmm. park right in front of them. I parked them over. And so I guess somebody just was watching me and stuff. And I was kind of scared anyway. So when I made it to the light and the light stopped and I tossed the money up in the street, I said, oh, goodness. Now, that's when he got my uh, tag. But this was a bank you went into regularly? Yeah. It was a place you went into all the time, a bank, so they probably they recognized probably, Somebody recognized yeah, you. Yeah, uh, because, uh, let me see, yeah. they had, how many tailors? I think they had four tailors. Right, so somebody recognized you. Yeah, they so. come to, they come to where you work, and they and they arrested you. Yeah. So now they, they take you down to the police department. Mm -hmm. When did your wife find out that, that you had been arrested for armed robbery? No, you, not armed <laughs> robbery. When did they, she what? find out you were arrested for robbery? I got to ask about that. <laughs> was she mad? Yeah. What did she say? Oh, man. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. Between her and her mom and stuff, and I, I heard so much, you know. Man, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. She said uh, that? Yeah, her mom them and stuff like that. So, so, you, so you're back in jail. Yeah, I'm back in jail. Another yeah. trial? Another Yeah. And they, yeah. Fi they find you guilty of, of robbery. But Yeah. And then you end up going back into prison for another 29 years. That's what I, you know, I still got to look at it because I haven't looked at that yet. Well, the state of Florida said that you were in from 1993 until 2012. That's 29 years. So how had prison changed after 15 years? Prison, it got softer. It's not bad like it used to be mm -hmm. because... Wasn't quite as violent? No, not the end. How did you survive 41 years? You did 41 years of incarceration. How did you survive 41 years? You know, I didn't think about it. I, I was just, just trying to get out of prison because I know they weren't going to keep me long because I know I was on a life sentence with, with uh, oh, how many years? Well, you had done 11 and a half years. You were out for 15 years. Hmm. Then you robbed a bank. What? Huh? What? And then you got another 29 years. Let me ask you this question. Uh -huh. You know, why do you think you robbed the bank? Was it, was it, you, your wife was nagging you about money. That's Do you that's think what you wanted was. to go back to prison? No, not really. I was just trying to make her happy, you know. So she, you know how, you know how women nags? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what happened. So she was nagging me so much and stuff like that. She said, baby, we got to get this and get that. You don't do this. I don't do that. I said, oh. Goodness. So after that, so I'll show you. I'll rob a bank. <laughs> I went and robbed a bank. They had no business robbing the bank. So, so you go back to prison. But my question is this: You did another twenty-nine years. I don't see it. I, seriously, I don't see. I, I'm doing twenty-nine mm -hmm. years. It's just that with this program they got. I mean, I learned so much. We're almost there. We're almost there because you did get you, know, you did get paroled. Mm -hmm. So now you're out. You were paroled in 2012. Mm -hmm. Are you still on parole? Yes. Okay. And what are the rules of parole? What do you you know what What does your life look like these days? 
Mine is good. I mean, no drinking, no smoking, no drugs. I don't do that anyway. So I. But you're not yeah. allowed to drink, correct? A beer every now and then, but you know. But do, are you sub, are you subjected to 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 uh, random urinalysis? No. They they tried it, but they said no. I don't. You know. Some sometime when I was doing that, I said, you know what? I didn't did. I didn't. I didn't did benign drinking beer and stuff like that. So far as I go, okay. I tried liquor one time, and that was my mother-in-law. Them. That's when they gave me uh after I married a daughter and stuff like that. My boss man said, "You his not his boss man. You his partner, uh, main man." He threw me on the shoulder. That's all I remember. You drank too much liquor and it. Yeah, I'm not used to liquor. Right. Liquor's quicker. I don't know. <laughs> so I, yeah. All right. So now, I, so so you've been paroled in 2012. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, it's my understanding that the parole officers don't think you're too much of a challenge. You're now uh-huh. 75 years old. You look uh-huh. 55, and um, uh, you get along with your parole officer. Yes, I was told. Uh, I'm coming to his office. I, I suppose to come every year. He said, Gerald, I don't want to see you no more until December. <laughs> so. I don't think they're worried about you anymore. No, they don't. They say, why can't I have other guys like you? Look, Gerald, uh, if, you, if, if you were sitting in front of a room full of 19-year-old Gerald R-lines, mm-hmm. what advice would you have for them to not make the same mistakes you've made? I tell them where I've been. They don't want to go to prison. They don't want to see what's happening in prison because I think they still do bother with kids and stuff. Or older, not older guys, young guys. Take guys and, you know, this is what they're doing now. I didn't tell you, Chris, but you know, a lot of them take the guys' money that I want you to go do this and do that. I d- not do it, but, you know, I need this and I need this from the canteen and stuff like that. Th- this is going on in prison now. Going so pain. somebody gets a young guy and gives him money and says, this is what I want you to do, like right. you work for me? Right. That's going on now? That's going on now. They even sell drugs. And I hate it, but I I, I don't say nothing. I have to, you know Anna? Sure, I know Anna. Anna, you know, Anna, I have to tell Anna stuff. I say, Anna, you know. Anastasia and, Steele. Yeah, she, we just like that. Me, her, mm-hmm. mom, sisters. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that she said, well, I ain't got to worry about you. She's... And she tell me, she said, every time, she said, Jerry, you know what? My mom worries so much about you. I said, she don't have to worry about that. She said, I know, because I'm going to beat you myself. And I like that. Baby. You know, you went. You, you, let me ask you ahead, if I could. You you think that that kids, you at 18, 19 years old, if they had a really good grasp of what occurs in prison and yeah. what life is like in prison, mm-hmm. you think it would make them think twice about some of the crimes they're committing? Yeah, I do. What would you like to tell those kids that what goes on that they don't want to be part of? Oh, man. Tell them. They're listening. I just have to tell you. I mean, going to prison is something you never want to do. You know, you got to try and get your education. And you got to think about your family, your sisters, brothers, everybody. It's just that don't do what I did. I mean, I did some some stuff you don't never want to see. Even with the police, but you know you don't do that no more. So, is that stuff that you think about now? Mm-hmm. Even now, many years later, it, some of the things you did and and regret that. It's just that when I watch TV now, I I don't like what the people doing, especially when they got. You ever watch 
CSI. Yeah, right? sure, about sure, the rape, the rape and so Oh, I don't like that. No, I be wanting to put them in jail myself. You know. Well, apparently, rape still goes on. Um, you yeah. know, the, the men tell me it's not quite as bad as it used no, to be. No, not as Because bad. now there's legislation. There's an enactment where it can actually add years to somebody's time if they're right, if they're right. convicted exactly. of rape inside a prison. So. I think it still goes on. There's still some gang yeah. initiation stuff. A lot of more gangs at, at uh, Everglades Correctional Institution than there used to be. Uh, mm. But you you were sent to the Corrections Transition Program at Everglades right. Correctional Institution where we met uh-huh. 10 years ago or more. Yeah. What did you learn at the Corrections Transition Program? Or what did Dr. Sheeran teach you and the program teach you that you're using today that's helped you? Oh, my attitude, I didn't have a bad attitude. It's just that when I'm writing, what is it, journals, mm-hmm. I love, I, I worry about my journal. You know, you got to see school. You got to write this. Mm-hmm. And you got to write both sides. Okay. And, and, and still, they. Are they teaching not to waste paper and to write right, on both sides of we, the paper? We write both sides and. We even have to go to some programs. We go. To, I wish I could have took Spanish though. That, I, I really yeah. miss that. You know, last week's guest, Troy Martin, said the one thing that he will always remember about Dr. Sheener. She mm-hmm. said that whenever you're contemplating making a decision, mm-hmm. to ask yourself, will this decision hurt me or hurt somebody else? Do mm-hmm. you remember that? Do you live by that now? Yeah. It was of me going back to jail or something like that. So. Yeah. So talk about your life today. You. Like my life today is fun. My wife know I'm in. I'm in. I'm in at night at a certain time. She'll tell you I don't go nowhere. After eight or after seven something, she not done took my shower and everything. We didn't eat and stuff. Is this she, the same wife that that you were with back when you committed the the robbery right, and yeah, went back to jail? She remarried and her husband passed and we remarried again. Wow. So she divorced you when you went to prison the second time. First time. Well, okay. The first time? No, but you said you weren't married the first time you went to prison. So, so she divorced. <laughs> no, you I was married the first time. Okay. But she remarried. She divorced. She me. divorced you when you went to prison. Yeah. And then you remarried her when you got out of prison this time. Right. Wow. And we've been together ever since. I'm happy with her. We we happy with each other. So. And she's retired from the public school system. Yes, thirty-four years. So. And up until COVID, you would volunteer. Dr. Sheeran says to always give back and help others. Yeah, and you're it. helping the men at Corrections Transition Program. How are you helping them? Like, we do, um, well, we have picnics. We, we throw picnics, paint houses, you know, giving back. We got a, we got a, a system we call giving back to society. We don't, we don't charge them. That's nice. And I like that when you give them the, older people so somebody's house is not looking too good they cut the yards so trim the trees back and know. what advice do you give the men because i've been there on tuesday nights when you're mm-hmm. there uh-huh. what advice do you give the men who are still in prison waiting to be paroled just be yourself man you know you got to get away all that old crazy stuff and this is what i like a guy i think he went to uh up in tampa he's still in tampa Okay. And I'm glad of that because he he didn't been back a couple of times. Yeah, Troy Martin. There's a lot of them come down from Tampa. Come from Miami too. Okay. And I remember a guy almost taught me. He said, "Jerry, you better get your behind somewhere. I'm gonna beat your behind if you're not going to school and go to school and stuff like that." But I never played hooky. I don't like to play right. hooky. 
and you started a landscaping business after you got out that you're still that you're still running yourself, correct? Yeah, uh, it's just that I like what I'm doing, you know. For some people can get on your nerves, Jerry. Can you go do this and Ken can do that and do this? And I said, oh man, please. <laughs> you have to. That's life. Patience. That's, that's what life. it takes. Patience is a virtue. I got two lady calling me this morning, Miss K. Miss K. Jerry, did you go check on my uh, what is that dryer? No, washing machine. It's a washing okay. machine. Guy okay. didn't give a washing machine back, so I have to go back and tell him, man, did you fix the washing machine? It's still on 27th Avenue in Alabama. So you're still working hard every yeah. day. Cut, put it this way. If I don't work, I'll go crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just that. You cut a lawn today, didn't you? Yes. Every day you yeah. cut grass. Yeah. No, maybe about yeah. three or four. That's if I'm really working, you know. And I like to work about myself because you got people going in people's yard and want to steal this and steal that. Especially I got the old ladies down the street from me. And I just hate to see her cut a yard by herself. Right. I don't charge that lady a dime. Really? A dime. All right. Well, listen, Jerry, I want to thank you so much okay. for coming on our show today. Oh, Hopefully you can you. come back at some point in time. Yes. We're all very proud of you. You're doing I, I, well. I thank you. Thank Everybody you. always speaks highly of you, and you're a very respected yeah. alumni of the of the uh, Corrections Transition yeah. Program. Thank you for being here today. Okay. Andy, any last comments for today's show? Well, no, it's it's great to meet uh, to meet you, Jerry, today, hey, and you. and to see how well you're doing. And and my God, I don't know what he's drinking every day <laughs> to keep looking the way he does I, at I, 75. I, but man, yeah. I want some of that. Well, maybe you should cut your own yard, and, <laughs> and you can look it's like a, Jerry. Maybe. You know, all right. no, if, if 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 I don't if I don't do something around the house, I get bored. Of course, you won't believe me washing clothes or washing the dishes and stuff. I do everything but cook. I don't know how to cook. <laughs> you all and right. me both, my friend. <laughs> all right. Well, that does it for today. And thank you all so much for tuning in for another episode of Men Going Home here at our new ha home at the Man Live in Miami. And a very special thank you to our friends around the world who are taking their time to watch and listen to this program. I, a few that I can mention are Tom Corcoran in Delray Beach, Frank Ryan in Coral Springs, and Nono and John Hedstrom in Portugal. Thank you all so much for watching and supporting the show. Thank you all again so much for watching, and we'll see you next week.